This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotato.com. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We've got you covered with everything from Marvel to Star Wars. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Classic films, trivia games, and beyond. Come to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. Now, on with the show. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey everybody and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, the podcast that knows that watching someone play a game on Twitch is the same as watching your brother play and not giving you a turn. No kidding. (laughs) Sitting across the virtual table from me is the future inventor of Braille tattoos, Mr. John Irons. How are you, sir? (laughs) I'm good. I think they might already exist though. They may. I said that to my wife the other day. I said, I just came up with a great idea. What about Braille tattoos? And she looked at me and she's like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, tonight... The first one should say, um, if you can read this, you're too close. Yeah, exactly. If you can read this, get your hands off me. <laughs> People get that look like Killmonger from Black Panther. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, tonight we're doing our classic series. So joining us once again in that venture is uh, from the World War G podcast, Mr. Troy Wood. How are you? Greetings, humans. I'm good. Thank you. And this is the series that we started a few months ago where we're taking a look at the IMDb list of the greatest the greatest movies of all time, according to that list. And uh, we're watching and reviewing them one by one every month. We bring you three more off the list. So be forewarned that these reviews do contain uh, plot spoilers. So I will tell you what the movies are. If you have not seen them before, you may want to stop the podcast and go watch the movies and then come back. If you don't care about, <laughs> if you don't care about spoilers, then go ahead. Uh, but this month we are talking about on the list, uh, number 88, The African Queen from 1951, number 87, Goodwill Hunting from 1997, and number 86, Terms of Endearment from 1983. C.S. Forrester's story, and filmed in the jungles and at the headwaters of Africa, the dark continent, in all the magnificence of color by Technicolor, comes the most exciting adventure ever screened. You promised you'd go down the river. There's death a dozen times over down the river. You promised. Well, I'm taking my promise back. Filmed in the treacherous wilds of Africa and directed by John Hewitt, winner of a double Oscar award for the treasure of Sierra Madre. Against a savagely thrilling background, two people live a reckless adventure. Charlie Owens, lazy, gin-swilling, no better than he should be. And Rosie, straight-laced Rosie Sayers, who learns about life 
all the budgies. Well, I ain't sorry no more, you crazy, psalm-singing, skinny old maid. Two people thrown together against their will. Get out. In a stirring and pulse-pounding story known in fact or fiction. Waiting for the supper, miss. I'm the captain, that's who. I ain't taking you along. You'd only be in my way. I suppose I was in your way going down the rapids. Then what you said to me back there on the river was a lie about how you never could have done it alone and how, how you lost your heart and everything. You liar. <laughs> could be so stimulating. We're gonna so let's just dig right into the African Queen. Uh, this movie, I was interested or not not interested, but I was surprised to find that I was able to watch all three of these movies without paying any money this month because uh, <laughs> the African Queen was is on Netflix, um, and Good Will Hunting I think is on HBO right now. And Terms of Endearment is on Showtime right now. So if you have those services, you can watch these without uh, spending any extra money. I usually have to pay a, a dollar or two. But. I uh, I never pay any money for these, but that's, that's a different thing. <laughs> Today is Talk Like a Pirate Day. <laughs> well, perfect. Yeah. Pirate uh, okay, well, so, listen, listen to the, our reviews first to see if it's worth right. <laughs> watching for free. The oh, African Queen... Was made in uh, 1951, and it's based on a 1935 novel novel by uh, C.S. Forrester. Stars Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn, and directed by John Huston, who we have talked about on the show before because he directed the Maltese, the Maltese Falcon that we talked about a couple of shows back. Right. So I'll read the uh, plot synopsis, and then we'll just kind of go around and give an overall review of uh, what we thought before we go into the into the plot and everything. So, in Africa during World War One, a gin-swilling riverboat captain is persuaded by a straight-laced missionary to use his boat to attack an enemy warship. That's a, pre- that's a pretty good uh, synopsis of the plot. Yeah, but, uh, I, I appreciated the simplicity of this film. What did you think of it overall? I liked it. I liked it. Um... I I went in with some trepidation, <laughs> Be, being the African queen. You know, old movies and, and um, representation don't always mix so well. Right. But um, anytime they showed um, Africans, they were abused and exploited, which is historically accurate. So I was fine with it. Um. Yeah, I I I, I liked that. I I didn't. I knew. Literally zero about this film. I knew nothing about it. Um, so I, I, you know, it starts off and it seems like it's going to be one kind of film and it quickly changes to a better kind of film that I wanted to watch. <laughs> <laughs> as, as opposed to, you know, seeing missionaries try to convert Africans. Um, and I, and I also, I liked that it was, um, it was really almost, despite being 
in Africa, they, they didn't, there weren't really a lot of wide shots or, or landscapes at all. Mm -hmm. It was, it was surprisingly claustrophobic, which I think was a good choice for the, for, for the, the film about these two people who are kind of stuck together. I kind of got the idea that, I mean, it was, they made a big deal of telling us that it was filmed in Africa. Most of the stuff that I saw could have easily been recreated somewhere else. Yes. I mean, they they largely went there for the animals, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There were some shots of the animals. Um, but all that stuff in the, when they were stuck in the reeds and all that kind of stuff, you know, about halfway, two thirds way through the movie. Um, they could have easily done that in Florida because there's, you know, you go down the Everglades, you see a lot of that kind of stuff anyway. But I don't, I get why they wanted to go to, why they wanted to go to Africa. But, uh, I don't know. I I didn't, I I read some history of the, of the movie. As far as the natives at the beginning, were the, were those actual natives or were they just extras dressed up like natives? I don't know. I mean, they seemed authentic to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I suspect that they were uh, locally acquired. Yeah. yeah. Crew members. Um, I know the little note at the end said filmed in Africa and London. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, see, this is why Americans think that Africa is a country. <laughs> well, <laughs> well the, the, the thing was that uh, most of it was filmed in Africa, but when they got out of the boat to, to, to pull the boat in the water, um, they couldn't do that for real because that water is not clean. <laughs> so uh, they, there was all kinds of kinds of uh, dysentery and stuff going around on the set already without them actually getting in the water and stuff. So they uh, all that stuff where they jump out of the boat and they're pulling the boat, they did that in a tank in London. But most mm-hmm. of the other stuff was filmed uh, actually in Africa. But, um, yeah. but I'm just saying the whole continent as opposed to London. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Africa is a continent made up of countries, people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Troy, what did you think uh, overall? Um, you know, I I thought it was okay. Um I didn't I didn't think it was great. Um the the first half of this movie could have been called a uh, African mansplaining that seemed a lot like what it was. Um, Humphrey Bogart was always, you know, telling Catherine Hepburn, "Oh, you, you, you don't know this ship, you know, I, you know, you, what do you know?" You're blah blah blah. Um, so I did like at uh, it, it was it was nice to see uh, Catherine Hepburn kind of step into that you know strong woman role. Uh, I don't think that was very prevalent back when this movie was made in 51 so it was you know kind of cool to see that but um overall i just I, I found this movie just okay and um i guess because yeah, with these movies I'm, I'm finding that it's hard to separate the fact that these movies came first before all the other movies i've seen so you know i've i've seen movies like um movies that that take place primarily on a on boats and they're in the situation i've seen that but i have to remember that this is kind of where all those movies started in these movies but 
I don't know. It was just, it just kind of dragged for me. It was just a little, a little boring. Yeah. Well, I went into this thinking I was going to watch a different movie. I actually when 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 I sat down to watch the African Queen, for some reason I had in my head that I was going to watch, uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Oh. Um, and, and I realized that I had the titles mixed up. So no, this isn't that movie. So I had no idea what this movie was about. And then when when the movie started and we see all the natives and everything, I start thinking we're going to see some people get kidnapped by natives and, and there's going to be an African queen, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then that didn't happen either. So I always, it took me about 15 or 20 minutes to realize that the African queen was a boat, but I always associate Bogart with like detective movies. You know, we, we watched the Maltese Falcon. He's also in the big sleep and a couple mm-hmm. of, of other things. Um, and I thought Bogart was good in this movie. He talked a little slower than he did the last time we saw him. So, uh, but he in no way made me think that he was French Canadian. No. <laughs> he's supposed to be French Canadian and he talks like he's from Illinois or something like that, you know? Chicago. Yeah. 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 Uh, Hepburn was good. I'm not really familiar with Hepburn. I don't remember. I think I've seen one movie that she was in, in my life. And that was the Philadelphia story. And that was about 25 years ago. So most of what I know about Catherine Hepburn is people doing impressions of Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> 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 on like Saturday night live and stuff like that. So, um, but as the movie started to kind of unfold, I, I liked most of what I was seeing. I'll talk about it a little later. I didn't, I did not like the ending at all, but, um, I kind of thought that what I was getting was uh, going to be this movie about this man and this woman that really hated each other until the end of the movie when they decided that they fell in love with each other. And then when they fell in love quicker than that, I was like, well, what is this movie? <laughs> you yeah, know, it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not fitting in any of the, uh, any of the holes that I'm trying to put it into, you know? <laughs> is, that, is that a good, bad thing? Well, yeah, no, it's not, it's not a bad thing. I, I mean, I, I enjoy going to see, I, t- I even told my wife last time we went to the, to the movies, uh, we went to see the, the Mark Wahlberg movie that's out right now. I can't remember the name of it right now, but, um, I, I like going to see movies that I don't know anything about sometimes, you know, I've just maybe seen one quick TV commercial. So I know, well, this is a cop movie, so I'm going to go see this. And, and, and not know anything else about it. So I kind of enjoyed that, but, um, but it did, it didn't hold together for me at the end. You know, it, 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 it did really well up until the last 10 minutes, I think. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit, but I really thought that they were going to do like this Han and Leia thing where they really hate each other and they, and they talk at each other and they did that for about 10 minutes and then and then they started loving each other <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that that wasn't the whole movie I would have been annoyed because neither one of them like they don't really have chemistry <laughs> yeah <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have a lot of chemistry in this film neither one, neither one of them were particularly I mean they were fine they were likable enough I mean the characters they were you know but I wouldn't say either one was charming or, <laughs> you know, but they, they worked together. Like as a team, 
they worked. And if and if it had been you know your your standard classic, uh, he's gruff and she's you know stuck up and and they don't they just don't get along like that. I'm I'm glad they didn't do that for the whole movie because it it wouldn't have made any sense. I'm like, well, they, he just wouldn't do this mission then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it it makes sense that they're both um invested in this um enough. I didn't really even get at the beginning when when she's on a mission trip with her brother. I didn't even get that that was her brother for a, a good. Probably until he died, <laughs> and, and he came out and said, "This is my brother," or whatever. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand <laughs> that. But what were you saying? I said, "Yeah, I, I, I was agreeing with you." It was kind of unclear. Yeah, and I'll, I'll also say that if I had to hear the words "Miss" or "Mister Olnot" one more time, <laughs> holy crap! I swear that was like half of the the beginning half of that script. Oh my gosh, that was ridiculous after a while. Yeah, and I will. Sorry, I will also say that Humphrey Bogart looks better in black and white. Yeah, <laughs> just saying. Yeah, he's looking a little rough there. This is early color. This is when they were still doing like the Technicolor or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I, I will say that the movie was. <coughs> It was beautifully shot. It looked great. You know, the the colors were were vibrant. They made a big, like I said before, they made a big deal about it being filmed in Africa. Um, if you see hippos in the wild, don't tease them. No, <laughs> because hippos are the most aggressive <laughs> creatures on this planet. <laughs> they will come or the, after or the you. monkeys. Either don't mess with the monkeys. Yeah, yeah. Hippo, but hippos will come after you, and they're very fast. They don't look like they would be because they're so fat, but they can run at like 30 miles an hour or something like that. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty fast. So, yeah, don't growl at them and stuff like he was doing. <laughs> but, and I don't... Um, go ahead. I was, I, was, I was thinking, I said before they didn't really have... The chemistry wasn't that great. And I'm trying to decide if these two particular actors just didn't have good chemistry or if they were not doing a good job of acting. And I don't know if that's different. I'm like, I think my, my gut is telling me they just didn't have good chemistry because I think I've seen them both act better. Or maybe they just weren't acting well in this film. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, the this story was completely driven by like what the characters were doing. It was entirely plot and circumstance and you know, they've got this problem to solve, they have this problem to solve, they have this problem to solve. And as far as who they were I mean, hell, we didn't know anybody's first name until like halfway through the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I was I was okay with their relationship. I guess, but I mean, I was, I was, I mean, in the sense that <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to die. So, sure. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 plot. I guess we need to explain the story just a little bit in case there's anybody listening that has right, 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 that's sorry. not going to watch the movie. But the um, 
the plot is that Catherine Hepburn, and I, I, I don't remember the characters' names off the top of my head, but Catherine Hepburn is playing a missionary and her brother, she and her brother are in Africa trying to reach the souls and they, they build a church there and she plays the piano and he preaches and, and all that. And, uh, Humphrey Bogart plays a guy that brings the boat over every so often and delivers mail and supplies and things like that. Well, then the war starts, world war one starts and that village gets attacked and shortly after that, the missionary, her, her brother, the missionary, he gets sick and he dies. And Humphrey Bogart comes in and I guess rescues her. Everybody's gone. You know, all the, the invading army's gone. All the villagers are gone. She's there by herself. So he buries the body and then takes her. And his idea is to go hide somewhere, uh, along the river until the war kind of blows over, you know. He's thinking that the war is just going to be like this short skirmish or whatever. And then uh, she talks him into making a torpedo out of, you know, MacGyvering a, tor- a torpedo out of the things that he has and attacking the ship that uh, attacked that village. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, 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 the, it's the big bad in the, in the area, the normal right. area. Like, it's, it's, it's the reason... <laughs> Basically, it's like perfectly positioned and it's really well armed, and it's the reason that the uh, the good guys can't go any further than where they are. Yeah, yeah. So they're trying to get the African Queen is the boat that they're on, and they're trying to get it down the river to where the they're German. This is the Germans, right? It's the Germans. Yes. And, uh, and, yes. And they're going to fire off this torpedo that he's created out of an old oxygen tank and stuff and and uh hopefully destroy that 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 boat so that's the plot and then the the, all of the action is them trying to get down the river that's most of the movie they're trying to get down the river his his name is charlie her name is rose that's right and and i I remember thinking uh charlie rose charlie rose yeah (laughs) (laughs) and yet it still didn't help me remember their name so um, I'll fast forward to the ending because I said before that I didn't like the ending at the end of it. All right. So they've gone through all these trials and tribulations. They went over a waterfall and busted their, uh, the rudder is the, no, the blade of their motor. And then, uh, also let me go back to that point. I don't believe that he would be able to fix it the way that he did. <laughs> no. I just don't believe he'd be able to build a fire hot enough to be able to weld that piece of metal back together just by himself like that. Um, I was fine with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know because, because, he, because he's a machinist and they had all kinds of tools and stuff. So between those two facts, I could suspend enough disbelief. And she's like, I've seen natives do this. It's like, yeah, I've seen that too. There you go. You're fine. Yeah. Sure. Okay. See them. See them weld. Is that the right word? Weld. <laughs> yeah. yeah he says, yeah. "I'll. Uh, I guess I'll just tie it on or whatever." Well, wouldn't it be better if you welded it on there? <laughs> <laughs> Sarcasm wasted. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and so uh, another thing that they go through is that the boat gets caught in some reeds. They're going through some thick uh, brush that's in the water, and. Uh, he has to pull the boat through. He gets leeches on himself, and that that's it. He can do everything else, but he can't do leeches. Leeches <laughs> well, is his weakness. <laughs> yeah. And then two minutes later, he gets right back in the water because yeah. he has to. Yeah, has to. What a man. 
But at the, so at the end, they finally get into the open water where the opposing, the enemy ship is, enemy boat, and they're going to fire off this torpedo, and they end up sinking their own boat. And everything that happens after that is so contrived mm-hmm. that it's not funny. They immediately get sentenced to death to be carried out immediately, which I'm not sure if they do it that way, but... That makes sense. I yeah, was fine with that I too. Mean, because because they're at war and <clears throat> it's their this is boat's position to hold this position and these are two people out of nowhere who are clearly not German. Yeah. I mean that they didn't just shoot them, maybe. Yeah. But yeah. Sure. Well yeah, and then they say, Well we want to be married before we die. So I was like, Okay, well I'll marry you before you die. Yeah, he's not gonna do that. But their boat rams itself perfectly into the torpedo that is just kind of sitting in the water <laughs> nose, nose up at a perfect angle um, we don't know that it was a perfect angle they showed it it was just kind of no, they, there in the no they didn't they didn't they didn't they were with when the when the thing blowed up <laughs> <laughs> when the thing blowed up with the camera was with the people on the ship. So they showed, yeah, they showed the boat just kind of the nose in the water, and then they showed the boat oncoming. Um, but we didn't see it, it like hit perfectly. It, just, it hit perfectly enough. Well, one thing we did see is that they had uh, Bogart and Hepburn with nooses around their necks, but the nooses were not tight enough to hang somebody with. Mm-hmm. They were, the rope was just like barely hanging off their shoulders. If they had, if they had hanged them right then, the it would have just slipped right off their 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 chin it wouldn't have it would not have choked anybody but uh but then the 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 ship hits that torpedo it explodes but they're okay they're not even no, they're fine they're not hurt <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know what i was fine with the boat blowing up i was fine with um the captain marrying them because because it's not like he married them like it was literally like I now pronounce you man and wife. Okay, now hang him. I was fine with that. It didn't cost him anything. Uh, uh, but those last few seconds when they're in the water and uh, they're like, "Woohoo, hey, it worked!" I'm like, "Why are y'all being loud right now?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, shut up and get to shore. You are not the only survivors. <laughs> they're going to kill you. They're going to kill you before. They're super going to kill you now. Yeah. Hush it up. Hush it up. Did we see the soldiers again after that? Or are we supposed to believe that everybody on the boat died except for them? Well, I think we saw some. We saw them you, scrambling. We saw them you scrambling. You did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, but, so they're, they, like, no, they didn't all die. Like, no, like you, you, you saw the captain. The captain was in the water, alive. The German captain. Yeah, that's so right. Like he's just, that's right. Yeah. Oh, but that, that marriage, by the way, is not going to hold up anywhere else. Just they, saying, I don't think. Here's and the, here's my other question: Isn't he a captain? Couldn't he? Couldn't he do it? Is that a rule? You can't do it to yourself. Well, I mean, I don't know how That's it worked point. in the in, in World War One, but these days, you have to have a marriage license. You can't just have somebody tell you you're married. You have to actually have a license, and then have somebody do a ceremony or whatever. You actually yeah. don't have to have a ceremony at all, as long as you have a license. If you have a license, you're married. So. Yeah, I, I think things are different. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I, think, I think the rules of the sea 
grant a lot of wiggle room. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about maritime marriage. And see, I didn't even <laughs> I look know. at it as being like the sea because they were they weren't out on the ocean. They were in a river, and they weren't like ships. They were just boats. You know what? But yeah, these weren't uh, these weren't like big ships. These were well, just no, like river boats. Yeah, you know. Even the Ger- even the German one was not a very big boat. It was, I mean, it was bigger than the African Queen, but it wasn't like a ship. Right. But, um, okay. So, if I had to rate it out of five stars, I I probably would have because I, I mean I enjoyed most of the movie. I thought that the performances were good enough. They weren't great. I probably would have given it four stars. But the ending makes me give it three. <laughs> uh, the, the ending just... It, it seemed like I was watching the ending to a different movie than what I had just been watching. You know, it's like it just shifted gears all of a sudden on me. But uh, So, yeah, I'm going to give it three stars. What about you, Troy? Um, uh, uh, before I give my, my rating, uh, quick question. Sure. Um, I haven't seen a bunch of Humphrey Bogart films. Um, I mean, we've seen a couple now, but were his teeth always that big? <laughs> yes. I couldn't get past that. I think that's I think that's part of why he talks the way he talks. Yeah. Man, okay. They were just like, just out there. But anyway. Um, I wonder if they were even real. Go ahead. I'm, you do that. I'm going to Google if he even had yeah, real teeth. Yeah, I was teeth. curious myself. Um, so, <laughs> out of... Uh, out of five uh, homemade torpedoes, um, <laughs> I'm giving it. Uh, you're a little nicer than me, Sean. I'm giving it like two. I mean, it just it didn't hold my interest. It made me go. I had the laptop in the kitchen, and it made me start cleaning the dishes instead. So, it just, <laughs> and if a movie can't hold my interest and makes me go do that, I I got to give it two. Um. All right. Well, you you were you were talking about the ending as the movie was going. Um, you know, because I got in some pretty uh, hairy situations. There was there was a couple of like, okay, I think I don't, I think they're going to die, or <laughs> or or I think I think he's going to die, or I think they're going to die together when they do this. Because that I could mm-hmm. see I. I I wouldn't Better have ending. I wouldn't have wanted that ending. It, it, depending on how they did it, it would have been kind of a bummer. Um, spoiler: they didn't die. Um, so I was, I was okay with the way it ended, just because it's kind of the only way it could have happened where they both lived. Um, I was, I was entertained. I mean, there were certainly flaws. Um, <laughs> The special effects were not the greatest. Um, the acting was okay. Like I said, there wasn't a lot of chemistry. But as far as it's these two people against nature and the elements and you know all of these other things that are trying to stop them from this noble goal and watching them on this journey, I was I was entertained enough. Um, so out of, uh, five, um, busted propellers, uh, two and a half. Okay. Hmm. Um, 
three three if you consider that it's free on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this article that I pulled up it doesn't say if Humphrey Bogart's teeth were real, but it says that the reason that he has the distinctive way that he talks is because he has some scars on his lips, and there are stories that he got those scars because his father beat him when he was a child. Oh, now I feel bad. And well, that's one of the stories. the The most accepted story is that when he was in the Navy, uh, he was transporting a prisoner, and the prisoner hit him in the mouth with the shackles when he was trying to escape. So, I don't, either way, I, I feel bad. <laughs> well, that doesn't have anything to do with his teeth. But anyway, okay, I got some. I, I have some facts from. But Troy, you wanted to do a a, a segment, right? The uh, yeah. Go ahead. So I wanted to start a little segment called uh, Tales from the Set. Um, these are just interesting things that I found that happened during the filming of these of these movies. And this one comes from uh, telegraph.co.uk. Uh, it's an interview they did back in 2015 with this lady named Angela Allen, um, who was on the set. She was what what's known as a continuity girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she did an interview about this movie, <clears throat> and I'll just kind of uh, tell you some of the things that happened. Uh, they did film on location, as we talked about. Um, let's see. So when they went to the Congo, uh, they literally hacked a camp of bamboo out of the jungle. There was three round, bigger huts for John Houston, the director, and the two artists. Uh, the crew, we had two, you could call them dormitories, a boys and a girls. Every night when you took your shoes off, you'd look for scorpions and leap into bed and pull the old mosquito nets down. Uh, the first day of shooting, I came back and I was bitten from the ankle to the groin. Uh, I was one welt, ant bites. The toilets were dugouts. The showers were a bucket with a piece of string. And a boy, a native boy, would come and pour another bucket in of red water, red from the earth. Um, later, when they were in Uganda filming, said, you found the most enormous crocodiles you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> um, we had British quiz, uh, cuisine and so-called boiled water, or bottled water, excuse me, was turned out later to be foul and had given everybody dysentery. Oh. Um, not Houston and Bogey, because they preferred to drink whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. He's kind of method with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. There are some other ones I just want to get here really quick. Um, oh, okay. So while, while filming... Let's see, the shoot on the Ruki River in the heart of the Belgian Congo and later on the um, Murchison, I would guess, falls near Lake Victoria in Uganda was a great endurance test for all involved. Midway through, Houston, the director, disappeared to go elephant hunting. <laughs> Hepburn, by her own admission, was a bit of a busybody. Bogart, or yeah, Bogart and his young bride, Lauren McCall, lay low. Question: and, yeah. how, do you, how do you interpret busybody? Probably, I would guess going around and and being in everybody's business. Yeah, busybody is like a gossip. Yeah, I know that's what it means now, but it's okay. <laughs> <Roll with> that. 
<laughs> but and, yeah, anyway, this uh, this is from the Telegraph. Um, you can go and, and find it. Um, it's called Hysteria on the Set of the African Queen, if you want to read the rest of that. Yeah, there's there's also some stories like uh, you were saying that everybody got dysentery. Catherine Hepburn, that scene where she's playing the piano at the beginning, what you don't see is that there's a bucket next to her for her to vomit into. Uh, right. <laughs> and 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 there was uh there was one part of the movie where she had to in the middle of a scene she had to take off running for the outhouse to go to the bathroom and she opens the door to the outhouse and there's a black mamba inside. <laughs> wow. And then she runs off to the into the trees. Um Humphrey Bogart's part was written in the in the novel as being a uh, Cockney riverman so he he should have had a British Cockney accent. But Bogart couldn't do that accent, so they just changed it to a Canadian. <laughs> Acting. Right, yeah. Um, let's see, what else did I have? Uh, the boat that's shown going on the rapids uh, is shot through a telephoto lens. It's actually a, mo- a model boat, and it was only eight feet long. And that miniature is now displayed in a uh, in a hotel in Maryland. Um <clears throat> This role is the one that won Humphrey Bogart, the only Oscar that he ever got in his career. And Walt Disney used this film as a basis for Disneyland's Jungle Cruise. Hmm. I've written written Jungle Cruise at Disney World, and it is nothing like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) The one one that Disneyland is, it's a lot closer. Uh, To what I remember of Disney, uh, of uh, Jungle Cruise is, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of African type uh, like scenery and everything but the, the main thing is that the uh, person driving the boat is just telling a bunch of corny dad jokes the whole time and <laughs> oh yeah that's true um, okay so oh also pr- production censors objected to several aspects of the original script which included <laughs> the two characters cohabitating without the formality of marriage I don't know if you can say that they were cohabitating they were on a boat they're on, yeah, <laughs> you know, and just meant do it, right? Do it. <laughs> so they made some changes I'm, before the film was completed. I was like, for after they kissed like the first time, and they cut to like the next scene. She's making the tea, and I was like, did they do it? And she like misses the cup. I was like, oh, they did it. <laughs> they don't always make it clear in those movies, you know, because they this is around the time of the Hayes Code and everything, so there's a lot of stuff that they could couldn't show, and um, and sometimes they tried to insinuate things, but sometimes yeah. it wasn't clear. Their insinuations were not clear, <laughs> you know. So, uh, all right, so yeah. we're we're gonna pause right here. I'm probably gonna have two commercial breaks in this episode. We're, we're gonna pause right here, have a commercial for a couple of other shows. Here on the network, and when we come back, we're going to talk about goodwill hunting. We'll return after these messages. Hey, you listener, do I have everybody's attention now? Do you like professional wrestling? What? If so, you'll love Review Mania, where Rob and Zach break down every WrestleMania. You'll hear about great epic matches by the likes of Hulk Hogan. And what's it gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh yeah! Ric Flair. Just stealing! Woo! Wheeling dealing! Limousine right! Jet flying! 
That'll forget. Bret Hart. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart, you are a zero, my hero. John Cena. The champ is here. Brock Lesnar. Suplex City, bitch. And so many more that I don't have time to even name. Check out Reviewomania right here on CosmicPotato.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker. It's a happening right here on CosmicPotato.com. Arriba! Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we are the hosts of the World War G podcast, along with Colton, but he's not here right now. Yeah, so pay no attention. Uh, and we're a podcast about everything geek. We talk about uh, movies, television, video games, comic books. Uh, we got movie commentaries, the occasional taste tests, like these lovely pina colada Oreos. Just don't try the Coke ones. No. Dang, what do we say after that? <laughs> Dang it. Um... So oh, okay. I'm, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can find us right here at CosmicPotato.com or at WorldWarG.Podbean.com. Or wherever else you get your podcasting fix. And as always, stay geeky, my friends. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a photographic memory? I don't know, you know, I just kind of remember. Meet Will Hunting. In South Boston, he's already a legend. Assault, mayhem, theft, resisting, all overturned. But when you hit an officer, you go in. I've spoken to the judge, and he's agreed to release you. Really? You have to meet with me and a therapist every week. This boy's genius is unparalleled. I've never seen anything like it. Now, I need someone who can get through to him. Like me. For the first time in his life. It's a poker game, this kid. Any vulnerability senses will exploit. Will Hunting is about to meet his match. Did you paint that? Yeah, I painted that. Very interesting. Well, maybe you're in the middle of a storm, you know, and the waves are crashing over your tiny little boat there, and maybe you did what you had to do to get out. Maybe you became a psychologist. You got me. And maybe you married the wrong woman. Maybe you should watch your mouth. Nobody can understand you, right, Will? You're a genius. I can't learn anything from you. I can't read in some book. Unless you want to talk about you. Are you terrified of what you might say? You're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. You got something none of us have. Oh, come on. Why is it always this? I mean, I owe it to myself. You don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me. Because I'd do anything to have what you got. So would any of these guys. He's perfect right now, and I don't want to ruin that. Maybe you're perfect right now. Maybe you don't want to ruin that. That way you can go through your entire life without ever having to really know anybody. I love you. You ever think about getting remarried? My wife's dead. Hence the word remarried. My wife's dead. Well, I think that's a super philosophy, Sean. I mean, that way you could actually go through the rest of your life without ever really knowing anybody. Robin Williams. Matt Damon. Ben Affleck, Stellan Skarsgård, and Minnie Driver. Goodwill Hunting, a film by Gus Van Sant. Okay, we're back, and uh, we're going to talk about Goodwill Hunting from 1997, starring Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Stellan Skarsgård, and Robin Williams. 
directed by Gus Van Sant. The script was written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And the uh, plot summary is a touching tale of a wayward young man who struggles to find his identity living in a world where he can solve any problem except the one brewing deep within himself until Aww. one day he meets his soulmate who opens his mind and his heart. So there you go. That's what that's the that's the plot of the movie according to IMDb. Mm. So let's go back around the virtual table. Uh, John, what did you think of Goodwill Hunting? Um It's good. <laughs> wicked good. Yeah, wicked good, man. <laughs> um actually I saw this film in the theater. Um and I don't think I've seen it all the way through since then. So it, it's 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 a nice mix of um oh I remember that scene, but it's still like you you're almost watching it fresh. Mm-hmm. Um it was nice to see like that very that opening scene, it was nice to see um, Batman and Jason Bourne just kicking it. <laughs> yeah, hanging out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I we can go into I can go into further detail later, but just overall, uh, yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Um, they didn't really make any mistakes. It's good. It's a good job. All right, Troy. What about you? Um, yeah, I've, I've seen this film a few times and, uh, watching it with a more keen eye this time, I, uh, I really, really liked it. Um, uh, particularly, I mean, maybe I gave it, uh, liked it a little more because of the story behind it, how it was, um, Affleck and Damon, like their first movie, uh, that they had written ever and went on to win awards and stuff like that. So, but it's, it's really good. Um, it, it moves along really well. Um, the, the, uh, the, the dialogue is awesome. Um, the dialogue is really quick and really witty. Um, and it's, you know, it, it just, it really paints a portrait of this, of this guy's life, you know, you, you, you understand, you start to understand as he continues to talk to, um, Robin Williams character, you start to understand, Oh, he, yeah, he's a genius, but at the same time, that's not what he wants. He doesn't want to be looked at differently, but he can't help himself. That's why he solved that math problem in the hallway. He is drawn to that stuff. And yeah, it was, it was, it, it was really, really fascinating. Uh, uh, that portrait that they painted of him. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I was working at a movie theater when this came out, so I'm pretty sure I saw this in the theater, but I don't think, like John said, I don't think I've watched it again since then. I liked it, but a lot of times you can't appreciate a coming-of-age story while you're still coming of age yourself. <laughs> right. So yeah. I saw this movie when I was probably 19 or 20 and I put it on a list of stuff that I liked, but you know, I didn't really think much of it afterward. I went back and watched it last week and I think I enjoy it more at, at 41 than I did at 20, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the, the movie and it really holds up, you know, um, I'm not a Gus Van Sant fan by any stretch. I've only seen, <clears throat> Excuse me. I've only seen a few of his movies, 
and I didn't like any of them. <laughs> uh, the film that he made before this one was called uh, To Die For. It had Nicole Kidman in it and Joaquin Phoenix, and it was a whole thing about a guy falling in love with his teacher, and then she gets him to kill her husband. That, you know, that kind of stuff. And then the one he made after this was that Psycho remake with... Uh, What's his name? Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. That was awful. Yeah. <laughs> but it just goes to show you what a good script can do for a film because between those two pieces of crap, you've got you've got <laughs> this really good movie. And it's because it's because it was a well written movie and the characters were well written and not necessarily because it was well directed. Somebody was about to say something. Um I was also gonna say you 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 you're attributing it to the writing, and that's true, but also the the acting is top notch. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Especially for this to have been like, I don't, I don't know if it was their first thing ever or just their first major thing, but no. Uh, Matt Damon had been in Matt Damon before this had been in Courage Under Fire and The Rainmaker. The Rainmaker was his big like breakout role. And I think I think Ben Affleck was in like Burger King commercials. And well, stuff like that. yeah, he had been in uh, Mallrats. And he didn't. Oh, have, was that before? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what. It was, yeah, he didn't have a very big role in Mallrats, but he was. That's that's. Mallrats is actually key to this movie being made because when Ben Affleck and Matt Damon originally came up with Matt, Matt Damon wrote the original synopsis for this movie as an assignment for a film class he was taking, and then uh, after he went to he, he started going to therapy for something, and after he met with his therapist, he wrote the scene the first scene between Will and 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 Sean and uh basically they say that that scene has survived verbatim throughout all the iterations of the script but originally this movie was supposed to be about a kid that was so good at math that the government came and got him and made him like break codes for him and stuff like that and then uh Rob Reiner talked to him at a party and told him he read the script and they needed to change it not make it a thriller and they needed to make it a a drama and base it more on the relationship of, of uh, Will and his uh, therapist. Well, it kind of got knocked around back and forth between studios for a while, and it was on the verge of just being killed. It wasn't going to happen. And uh, Matt uh, Ben Affleck was making Mall Rats, and he gave the script to Kevin Smith and asked him to read it. Kevin Smith read it and said, "I'm going to walk this into Harvey Weinstein's office and give it to him." And uh, he gave it to Weinstein, and the next thing you know, they're making a movie. Yeah, I saw in the credits, I saw him listed as like a executive producer or, something, or co-executive producer. Yeah. I, I, yep. I didn't know that, but that makes perfect sense. I have a couple of theories about that. I mean, I know that they've got Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier are listed as producers. I think Kevin Smith doctored the script. I think Kevin Smith rewrote some of this script because a lot of the dialogue, especially when the when the friends are talking to each other, like Ben Affleck and and Casey Affleck is there, when there it sounds a lot like Kevin Smith dialogue. <laughs> it really does, and uh, and then and and also there's a lot of monologues in this movie. Kevin Smith's early stuff had a lot of monologues, and if you've ever seen Chasing Amy, yes, Chasing yep. Amy was just I mean it was just one monologue after another. And uh, and and this movie had a lot of that in it too. So I really think that Kevin Smith acted as a script doctor for this. I'm not saying that he wrote the movie. I'm just saying he right. went in and touched up some of the dialogue. I, I I really believe that. 
but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they're script doctors that touch every every script that goes through Hollywood. So, um, so hold on, I lost my place. Okay, as far as the performances, uh, Matt Damon did great. I don't know what made Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. I don't know if they've tossed a coin to decide which one of them it was gonna <laughs> was gonna be the star of the movie, <laughs> but um. But I think Matt Damon did a great job. And I think Ben Affleck did a great job, too. Uh, he wasn't in the movie as much. Uh, but but I got to say, the, the best part of this movie was Robin Williams. I mean... Yes. Yeah. That was that was bittersweet. <clears throat> yeah. Because I, mean, I don't think I've... I don't think I've watched anything starring him. I, think I, I mean, I watched, like, Aladdin, I think. Yeah. Maybe, since, since he died. But, he's, uh, he's known as a comedian... But he was one of the greatest dramatic actors that I've ever seen. Over over the years, he gave us uh, just like heart wrenching drama. Uh, he also gave us the creeps. I don't know if you ever saw one hour photo that movie. I did. Yeah, <laughs> still gives me the creeps when I see it. Uh, I remember him much more for his dramatic work than any of his comedy. Really, uh, he. He played this part perfectly. You could see his brain working when he talked when he was talking to Will, where he, the way he would just let Will go on and on and on, and you could see that he was thinking of the next thing he was going to say. And even the scene when he exp- the first time that they meet and he just explodes, you can see him seething before he explodes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and know that it's coming. But uh, but yeah, I, li- I like I also like that there weren't any villains in this film like there weren't there weren't really any bad people they were just people with kind of different agendas but even the different agendas weren't bad yeah they're just in conflict for some reason Mm. or another i feel that that gave it a lot more of a a realistic feel um it it really kept it grounded that you, you you really believed that these characters were real and you know you could kind of place yourself in these type of situations and yeah, it. Um, I, I didn't even realize that, but you're right. There are no, there are no like, quote unquote, villains in that. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I guess the closest you would get would be the Stellan Skarsgård <clears throat> character, but he's not. I mean, he's not evil at all. He, um, Stellan Skarsgård. Tell you the truth, I forgot how big of a role he had in this movie. If you're a Marvel fan, you know him as Doctor Selvig from Thor and the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a musical fan, you know him as Bill from Mamma Mia. His son, his son Alexander, played Eric Northman in True Blood, and his other son uh, Bill played Pennywise in the remake of It, yes. and is currently on uh, Castle Rock on Hulu. So, um, so yeah, that's a, a trifecta family there, <laughs> Hollywood. Um, so, I don't know what else to say about this movie. I mean, it, it was just this, this is just a it's a really good movie. Uh, Mini Driver. I can't forget to talk about Mini Driver. I think this was the first movie I ever saw her in. I don't remember seeing her before this. Uh, but they originally didn't want to. I think it was Weinstein didn't want to didn't want her in this movie for some reason. He didn't. He said he said she wasn't cute enough. Which knowing what we know about Weinstein uh-huh. now, <laughs> there were probably other, other yeah. reasons he didn't want her in that film. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. uh but Matt Damon wanted her in the movie 
And her character was based, I mean, a lot of the stuff that's in this movie is based off the stuff that really happened to Matt Damon. I mean, he's not a math prodigy. He did go to Harvard. But, um, but he, she was based off of an actual girlfriend that he had that actually broke up with him right before the movie came out. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and then he dated Minnie Driver for a little while, so there you go. And then he called his ex-girlfriend. He was like, how do you like them apples? Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Bring it all back. The one thing yeah. I remember about this movie the most is that, like I said before, I worked at a movie theater when it came out. And, Troy, you've worked in a movie theater before, so you know. Yes. When the movie is over... <laughs> Everybody gets up and leaves during the credits. So as soon as everybody gets out, you go in there and start cleaning, even while the credits are still going, because you don't have much time before the next show starts. And yes. so when you go in, when I would go in there and the uh, the credits were still rolling, and they were playing that Afternoon Delight, yes. I probably heard Afternoon Delight that, that year about 400 times. <laughs> See, this is this was for me. Uh, this was back before you stayed till through all the credits before the Marvel movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, well, I'm on animated films. I would sometimes, but not just through just one of them a movie. Um, so, I actually didn't know that afternoon. That me watching it on HBO this morning was the first time I'd ever. Uh, the first time I realized that that played at the end. Which is great. That was also a weird, a weird way that they shot those uh, closing credits. And usually, when they show something like a car going down the interstate during the closing credits, it'll it'll do that for about the first half of the credits, and then it'll go to black. But they kept, See, they kept showing that car going down the interstate for the entire credits, all the way until the very end. And I thought that's what you're going to say about when you work at a movie theater, going in and cleaning, because. With that rolling, I can imagine people just sat there and watched the whole time because we had that with the Lone Ranger with Johnny Depp because at the very end, it's just him walking off into the sunset in the desert and people just sat there the entire time. Yeah. Thinking thinking something was going to happen, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and in this, nothing happened. It's just a car (laughs) going down the interstate, but... yeah. But it did I, it did help a little bit because when there's something on the screen, it lights up the theater so you can actually see the screen. Right. <laughs> Usually I, it's I, really dark. So I interpreted that um, them not fading to black as him really just kind of committing to the uncertainty. Because you realize, mm-hmm. okay, he's driving from Boston to California. He's driving in this homemade car. Basically, yeah, yeah. From from Boston to California, he doesn't. He didn't. He didn't call ahead. She doesn't know he's coming. He doesn't know what he's going to do when he gets there. And and it's all that stuff that he was terrified of, not knowing, you know, the, not knowing what comes next. He's just he's just going for it. So I, I that was how I, I interpreted that road. Well, and you know, and you weren't you weren't far off because I was reading that the original ending had him dying um, as he was as he was driving along like he got into a car accident on that road oh god as he was yeah that was the original ending but they're like ah, that's a little too bleak is this, is this the is this the codebreaker version uh, uh, maybe that would make more sense <laughs> yeah that would still suck but it would... yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i've got a few facts uh, 
Troy, did you have any you wanted to share before I did? Uh, not really. I couldn't really find much on this one. Um, okay. Really, everything I had, you've already mentioned. So, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck found a, a clever way to choose the right studio for their script. So the the story goes that on page sixty of the script, they wrote a completely out of nowhere sex scene between Will and Chucky. Um, <laughs> They, they they took it to every major studio and nobody ever even mentioned the scene. When they met with Harvey Weinstein at Miramax, he said, I've only got one really big note on the script. At page 60, the two leads, both straight men, have a sex scene. What the hell is that? <laughs> and uh, Damon and Affleck explained that they put that scene specifically in there to let them know which ones of the people that they gave the script to actually read the script. If they didn't say anything about that scene, then they know they didn't read the script. <laughs> smart. That's like that a, smart. Like a crazy writer for like a like a band. They'll be like, you know, they'll they'll put stuff in the contract, and it's not because they're super finicky. They only want the blue M and M's. It's because they want to make sure you read. Yeah. Everything in the contract. So read it. If, yeah. Yeah. If we walk in and there's not a jar of blue in M and M's, we know you didn't read it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, after the death of Robin Williams in 2014, the Boston Public Garden Park bench where he and Matt Damon had their conversation became an impromptu memorial where people leave flowers and quotes and various mm-hmm. items. And a petition has been passed around to put up a statue of Robin Williams in uh, near that bench. While yes. they were shooting that scene, it looks like they're the only people in the park. There's actually over 3,000 people standing there watching them film that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the other side of the, uh, of the camera. Um, Everybody quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the very first day of shooting, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon started crying out of happiness because they were filming the sw- the scene between, uh, Robin Williams and Stellan Skarsgård, both accomplished actors doing their scene verbatim and uh, they had been waiting four years for that to happen. Wow. Um, in the, in the scene where Sean is talking about his late wife's farting, farting antics, uh, which was all ad lib by Robin Williams. Uh, that's why Matt Damon is laughing so hard because he didn't know that he was going to say all that stuff. And if you watch the scene carefully, you can see the camera shaking a little bit because the cameraman was laughing so hard. Yeah. Uh, Oh, here's what I, yeah. Initially, producer Harvey Weinstein did not want Minnie Driver at all for the role of Sky, uh, of Skyler, feeling that she wasn't cute enough for the part. Because Gus, Matt, and Ben wanted her in the movie, Weinstein ultimately relented and Driver went on to be nominated for a Best Actress in a Supporting Role o- Oscar. Hmm. Uh, Gus Van Sant at one point asked, asked uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck to rewrite the script so that Chucky, Chucky is killed in a construction accident. Uh, Damon and Affleck protested, but reluctantly wrote the scene in after Van Sant read it. He agreed that it was a terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) And the job interview, that's another thing I wanted to talk about for a second. The job interview, uh, that Will sends Chucky on is for a company called Holden and McNeil. Holden McNeil is Ben Affleck's (laughs) character from Chasing Amy. (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah, that's funny. When you go on a job interview... Do you normally just ha- basically have people beg you to to work for them and then give you money out of their wallet? That yeah, that seemed but I'm really not a super genius. I mean, I, I know it was uh, 
it was supposed to be funny, but it did not ring true as something that would actually happen for me. For me, but uh, but I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's do another commercial. Did we do? Did we do star? What? How many stars would you give it, Troy? Man, I'm probably after seeing it again. Um, I'm probably sitting at pro- honestly probably four. I really liked it. Okay. What about you, John? Out of um, five unproven theorems. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd say like four and a half. It's uh, it's pretty. It's almost perfect. It's a really, really good movie. Um, and even it like a lot of times, you know, something from the '90s looks super dated, and this one really doesn't. Even though he's using a payphone, yeah, and you know the cars are. Are older. It's so focused on. It's like the opposite of the African Queen. It's all about the characters, and and, yes. and who they are and what they're doing. And I actually have made a note um, about something. Oh, sorry, bittersweet. Yeah, the not your fault scene still gets me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Speech by the water is amazing. See, and and I also think that's why Damon had that lead. Role. I don't think Affleck could have pulled off that emotional scene the way that Matt Damon could. Yeah. Oh, the the last scene <laughs> where they go to pick him up and you know Chucky looks in and he's like, okay, he's gone, and he's like, yeah, he, he goes back to the car. He's like, yeah, he's 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 not there. Uh, I I remembered Chucky being happy that he wasn't there, but I didn't remember the reactions of the other two guys. And uh, oh, what's his name? The, the Casey Affleck character. I can't he's like, woo, yeah. shotgun. Like he, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was his takeaway. Okay, now I can ride in the front seat. And <laughs> the the other guy, he understood what it meant too. And you could just like he he looked kind of somber about it. And seeing those those three guys in that same shot was was really that was a nice little was a nice little moment that I that I completely overlooked the first time. Yeah, Casey Affleck really did a good job in this movie too because I mean it made me laugh every time he was on. They said that he uh, he ad libbed most of the stuff that he said and and they really got mad at him for getting off script, but uh, but it always worked. Everything that he did worked. So it's funny. that's funny. Um, I give the movie four stars. I think it was great. I think it holds up. The only reason I don't give it five is because there was, there was just a couple of monologues that didn't feel natural. They didn't, it didn't feel like the way people really talk to each other without, inter- without interrupting, you know. Um, yeah. I think Ben Affleck and Robin Williams both give speeches that are great as far as cinematic. They just don't ring true, like like that's the way it would actually happen, uh, which is another reason that I think Ke- Kevin Smith doctored the script because it seems like something he would write. <laughs> yeah. Um, now he'll, I mean he'll he'll talk and go on and on and on without people interrupting, but <laughs> that's Kevin Smith. <laughs> you know. Um, I'll, I'll also say, um, 
because I didn't see the next movie that we're going to talk about, I'm going to give, <laughs> I'll finish my notes on this one. Um, I didn't know that Danny Elfman did the music for this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very, like, I never would have picked that as a as an Elfman score. Hmm. Um, and a lot of the films that we're watching for this um, are older, obviously, and, like, we'll, we'll make the comment, okay, well, this is the movie where that trope came from, and this is the movie where that trope came from. And I think this is the movie where the genius hiding in plain sight, the guy you never suspect trope came from. At least it's the first one I can remember. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be, it'll, like, I'd be interested to know if someone can think of another one, but this is the, this is the old, this is the, I think this is where it started. Well, it, make, it there, makes there sense. I know it was a slew of those uh, in the 90s and 2000s. It makes sense that the Born Identity just came two, three years after this. <laughs> yeah. But, um, okay. All right. So let's, uh, let's go to a commercial. And when we come back, we're going to talk about terms of endearment. Have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> We'll return after these messages. So what's Captain Game Show? Well, the short answer is it's a podcast. The long answer is it's a lighthearted trivia wordplay thunderdome. I call this game Dark and Gritty Kids. Natural Born Sequel. What's my motivation? Epic bird play. Advertising 10101. Rhyme cast. Mr. Dalek. Life coach. I'll come up with games, and my guests come up with answers. He's got to put down the ducky if he wants to play the saxophone. Poor monogamy. Wolfgang Puck is Darkwing Duck. My little pony friendship is Magic Mike. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> There's also improv, music, and an inordinate amount of rhyming. Good night, John Travolta, with Klingon-like hair. Good night, three percent rating. <laughs> you're tough, but you're fair. You can find Captain Game Show on CosmicPotato.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you normally get your podcasts. Round one, round two, final round. Fight. I don't know where this is going, but I like it. Come to laugh. Would you like to come in? I'd rather stick needles in my eyes. Come to care. <laughs> oh, that's the first time I stopped hugging first. <laughs> Come to terms. Do you have any reaction at all to my telling you I love you? I was just inches from a clean getaway. Deborah Winger, Shirley MacLaine, and Jack Nicholson. Terms of Endearment. Okay, we're back. And, alright, so we're going to talk about Terms of Endearment from 1983. Uh, starring Shirley MacLaine, Deborah Winger... Jack Nicholson and Jeff Daniels, directed by James L. Brooks, based on a novel by Larry McMurtry. Uh, the plot synopsis is, this movie follows hard-to-please Aurora looking for love and her daughter's family problems. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, John didn't watch it. Well, I didn't watch it for this. It is entirely possible that I've watched it like in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like I, I I like I remember scenes from it. Um and I like I think I remember seeing it on HBO. So um <laughs> if anything sounds familiar I'll, I'll jump in with my commentary. 
Troy, what did you think of it? Um, I I liked it more than I thought I would because <clears throat> every time you know you people like in in other movies or TV shows bring up uh, movies that's going to make you cry, they always bring up terms of endearment. Um, but there was a lot more comedy in this than I thought there'd be. Hmm. Um, and I liked it for that reason. I also liked it because this is a freaking stellar cast. I didn't realize all the big names that were in this. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got, you know, uh, Jeff Daniels, um, uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, uh, oh, geez. Um, uh, John Lithgow. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just a bunch of people. I didn't realize, oh, that person's in it. Oh, okay, that's cool. Um, <clears throat> and so I liked it for that. I also liked it because <laughs> parts of this, especially when they were newly married, really, really hit close to home for me. Uh, a little <laughs> a little too close, and it made me a little uncomfortable, but I I liked it. It really, it really rang true. Um, but yeah, overall, it was... I was I was perfectly entertained by it. I enjoyed it. Well, all right. So this is the one for this month that I was looking forward to watching the least. Uh, yeah. The title, I mean, okay, so the title sounds like the kind of melodrama that I don't usually care for. Terms mm-hmm. of endearment. I'm not crazy about Shirley MacLaine. Uh, I think I've only seen one other movie that she was in. I saw Still Magnolias because that was my mom's favorite movie. Um but I loved, I don't know if you guys have ever seen As Good As It Gets. I love that movie, yeah. which is another film that James L. Brooks did. Uh, and Larry McMurtry wrote Lonesome Dove, which is one of the few westerns that I really liked that had uh, Robert Duvall and Tommy Lee Jones in it. But mm-hmm. I'm not, okay, so I'm not going to say that this was a bad movie because there were parts of it that I liked. Yeah. It was a disjointed movie. Um, the way that they decided to tell the story was they, they wanted to span years of their lives in one film, but the way they went about doing it was so strange. They would go from <laughs> one scene to the next and months have passed and they didn't do any kind of transition to show us the passage of time. There was Four a, years had passed. Yeah. Yeah. There was a scene yeah. where uh, Deborah Winger's character, Emma is in the grocery store. She doesn't have enough money to pay. John Lithgow shows up and pays for her groceries for her. Cut to the next scene, they've been having an affair for months. And it's almost like whiplash inducing. The, 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 and that kind of stuff happens a lot. We don't watch, we don't really watch Winger and, uh, Jeff Daniels. We don't really watch their, uh, relationship grow apart. We just see them kind of in love one minute and then they're at, at each other's throats the next minute. So it's kind of like we, we skip over a lot of stuff that really would have helped. You know, it's like doing, yeah. a, doing putting together a puzzle and some of the pieces are missing. Um, I did like the relationship between Aurora and her daughter. I thought that it's very realistic. They're, they're fighting. And they're saying horrible things to each other. And then at the end of the conversation, they start talking about an outfit or something. You know, that's the way mothers and daughters do. That's, I, I will, I mean, yeah. I live in a house with a woman and a teenage daughter, that's how they talk. <laughs> you know? uh, I, don't know, have, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Lady Bird um, that came out yeah. last year. Yes. That I relationship kind of re- reminded me of this a little bit. I've definitely seen this film. Oh, have you? 
but yes. I mean, like I said, I remembered scenes. Um, but yeah, I, I remember the girls we've seen. I remember the, um, yeah, I, I, I remember enough of this to know what you're talking about, but not enough to actually contribute. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but yeah, I, I remember being surprised that I liked it as much as I did. Uh, same as, same as you, Troy. Yeah. Um, I remember, uh, cause I think like the evening star, I think was the sequel. And, and I think I remember saying to myself that I wanted to see and the evening star looked interesting. I, and I remember saying that I wanted to see the first one before I saw the evening star. So. Shirley McLean is really good in this movie. Um, even though, like I said, I, I don't care for her most of the time. I can admit that when I see a good performance, this was a good performance. She's a very overbearing mother. I felt every bit of that. Her whole life is her daughter. Deborah mm-hmm. Winger was okay. <clears throat> she had the right kind of energy for the character that she was playing, kind of like a free spirit. But I, I mean, I'll tell you the truth. I have never really thought Deborah Winger was a very good actress. <laughs> I mean, she was okay in uh, An Officer and a Gentleman. You know, that way to go, Paula, that same thing and all that. But um, <laughs> if you watch a few episodes of The Ranch on Netflix, she is not good. She is bad. Uh, Jeff, Dan- De- Jeff Daniels was, you know, whatever. The, the role was pretty bland. The only scene that he really stood out for me in was in the hospital when he's talking to Emma towards the end of the movie when they're talking about what should happen with the kids. Because he's basically saying, I'm not a good dad. I'm not going to lie. If they live with me, they're going to be miserable. <laughs> you know? And at least he was honest about that. And uh, so that yeah. she could she could figure out what she wanted to happen after she was gone anyway. So, uh, And I skipped over telling what the movie is about. I mean, basically the movie is about... <laughs> Shirley McLean's character, Aurora, and her daughter, Emma, and just their relationship over many, many years. Uh, and Emma gets married, moves away, has children. Aurora is a very over- overbearing mother, but at the same time, she's also focused on her own love life. And, and she meets Jack Nicholson's character, who was an astronaut and lives next door and likes to date younger women and is everything that Aurora hates, but she also is intrigued by him. And at the same time, his character was not in the book at all. They like wrote this character in, uh, just to, just so Aurora would have a love interest in the movie. Um, but the love story with his character, his character's name was Garrett. I felt was a distraction. Whenever I saw Jack Nicholson and Shirley MacLaine, I felt like I was watching another movie. Nicholson was okay, but the subplot just felt like it was not, like it was out of place in this movie. So. Hmm. But, you guys liked it. <laughs> I, 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 I gotta say, I, I, I disagree. I disagree with you. I don't disagree with you about Deborah Winger. She's not, she's not great. Um, I mean, like I said, I understood what she was going for, but I think everybody else was just, just spot on as far as their characters go. Um, and everybody was just kind of hitting on all cylinders and, and, you know, 
the situations and the the conversations that they had were were very believable. You know, I've had a few of those myself. Um, and you know, and and yeah, I I liked it a lot more than than I thought I would. I <laughs> I really did. I uh, I don't think I'll. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things that say you can say, "Oh yeah, I've I've seen that movie and and I I enjoyed it." Yeah, I think I think the main reason that and I, I there were parts of it that I that I did enjoy. Overall, I mean, I think it I think it's a a pretty good movie. It's just that it just felt like there were pieces missing because they were skipping over years mm. to get to the next part of the story or whatever. And I think that's a, that's a thing that works in a book that doesn't really work in a movie as much, mm. you know, but, uh, unless you're, uh, uh, Ethan Hawke in filming that movie over the course of 15 years. Oh yeah. Boyhood. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah boyhood. Yeah. <laughs> then it works. <laughs> um, I did go and, do a little extra homework and I watched the movie that John was just talking about the evening star. Um, I watched it this past weekend and I wanted to just a mini review of it. It's, it is a sequel to this movie. Um, they made it in 1996, but it takes place in 1988. So it's roughly about 15 years after, uh, terms of endearment. And, Aurora, it's about Aurora and, um, she's raised Emma's kids. And, uh, one of her kids, one of the kids is Juliet Lewis and she's kind of out of control and she's got one that's working as a mechanic and she's got one that's in jail. And it's actually a, I thought it was a better movie because it's more linear. They don't really skip stuff. But it wasn't directed by James L. Brooks. It was directed by Robert Harling, who has only ever directed one other movie. He's written a lot of stuff. Um, they kind of advertised that Jack Nicholson is in the movie, but he's only in the movie for about seven minutes <laughs> towards the end. <laughs> they focus a lot on a character named Rosie, who is Aurora's housekeeper, and supposedly she's been her housekeeper for the last 40 years, but she's not mentioned at all in terms of endearment. So, <laughs> so that was kind of strange. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if you liked terms of endearment, you'll probably like the evening star. It didn't do very well in the box office. It didn't make very, very much money at all. But, um, overall, I'd say I'd give terms of endearment two and a half stars. It's not an awful movie. It's just disjointed and kind of confusing to me. And I couldn't get, of course I was, I, I think it was like three o'clock in the morning when I was watching it. So that might, have, <laughs> might have something to do with it too. But I mean, it was to the point that usually when I'm watching a movie where someone dies of cancer and it may be more so after you actually see someone die of cancer that it affects you more. Usually that just tears me apart. I didn't really feel anything when it died. <laughs> I mean, it, it just, it, it was just part of the story. It's just something that happened. So, um, but, and that may have been because I wasn't really feeling, uh, Deborah Winger's performance either. So <laughs> there you go. 
Troy, what about you? How many stars do you give it? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I think I'm, I think I'm right there with you. I'm going to give it two and a half as well. You know, it was really strong for what it was. Um, I, I can, I can kind of see why, why it made this list. You know, it's one of those movies that you like talk about, like film class and stuff like that. So I get that. But uh, at the same time, I've seen it. Eh, I'm good. I don't have to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I got a few facts. Uh, James L. Brooks received a special gift at the end of production to congratulate him for completing his first movie. This was a copy of the book Life in Hell, which was a bunch of cartoons drawn by Matt Groening. Uh, Brooks was so impressed with these comics that he asked Groening to create a series of shorts for the Tracy Ullman show that eventually turned into <laughs> The Simpsons. Um, Deborah Winger behaved erratically on the set of this film because she was trying to get over a severe cocaine addiction. Wow. At one point, she and Shirley MacLaine got into a shoving match. Uh, James L. Brooks settled on Shirley MacLaine to play Aurora because she was the only one who realized that it was a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, everybody else was trying to play it as a, as a drama which there is a lot of drama in this movie but it's got an underlayer of comedy it's a comedy drama it's a, it's a dramedy um, John Lithgow was called in to replace another actor and his part was filmed in only three days during a break because he was filming Footloose at the same time the character of Garrett Breedlove which is the guy that Jack Nicholson plays does not appear in the novel and was written specifically with Burt Reynolds in mind by writer and director James L. Brooks. Reynolds loved the script, but he was already committed to play in Stroker Ace. Uh, Paul Newman and Harrison Ford turned down the role before Jack Nicholson signed on. Nicholson uh, talked with several real astronauts while he was in Houston in preparation. Uh, the role of Emma was originally written for Sissy Spacek. Uh, Jodie Foster also turned down the role of Emma due to her commitment at uh, Yale. Emma, Emma's the daughter? Yeah. Yeah, the Deborah Winger character. Okay. Uh, Real-life mother and daughter duo Janet Lee and Jamie Lee Curtis were considered for the roles of Aurora and Emma. Louis, Louise Fletcher was also considered for the role of Aurora. That would have been interesting to see... Uh, uh, what's Thanks. the name of her? Yeah, Nurse Hatchet. Nurse Ratchet. Nurse Ratchet. Yeah, Nurse Ratchet from uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, okay, Albert Brooks. Uh, also, he was the voice of Aurora's husband in the opening scene, credited as A. Brooks. So hmm. that's all I've got. Um, and that ends this month's episode of the uh, classic series. Next month, we're going to take a break from the IMDb list because next month is October. So to celebrate Halloween, we're going to watch some classic monster movies. And I put a list up on Facebook a while back to let people vote on which movies we're going to watch. The three movies that won are Creature from the Black Lagoon from 1954, The Invisible Man from 1933, and The Wolfman from 1941. Excellent. So those are the three movies we're going to be watching. So, uh, Troy, thank you for being here this week. Yeah, thank you. And let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me 
on the World War G podcast um, right here on Cosmic Potato, or you can go to worldwarg.podbean.com. All right, and John, thank you as well. Yeah, man. And people can find you at? Um, at CosmicPotato.com, where I'm on this show, and also uh, Captain Game Show, the game show. <laughs> all right and yeah everybody come over to cosmicpotato.com we got a lot of uh great shows over there that you'll probably enjoy uh you can subscribe to our network feed just go to itunes or stitcher or podcast addict or wherever you normally get your podcast and type in cosmic potato podcast network and you will be able to get every new episode of this show captain game show the prime direction world war g Trial by Pilot, Review of Mania, Horns and Heroes, and Wait You've Never Seen. So, uh, so subscribe to that feed and you'll get all those new episodes every time that a new one comes out. So, uh, and be sure to join us next time here on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, when you might hear John say, You know, if you ever want to be passive aggressive in an email, but you're not really that type you think passive aggressive is still maybe a little too confrontational you can just pretend that the period at the end of your sentence is an emoji of an asshole <laughs> so so you're writing so like the words just say well, that's a really good point thanks for the input but in your head you can read it like that's a great point asshole thanks for the input <laughs> asshole the downside is you can't unsee it so when you check your email you might think that people are doing it to you and there might be so. <laughs> it could be just prepare yourself. Be sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can contact us by email at mail at cosmicpotato.com or send us a voicemail or text message to 205-642-8380. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. Thank you for joining us for Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. Of course, John didn't watch Terms of Endearment. <laughs> Not of course. <laughs> I would have. Full disclosure, I have about 30 minutes left in it. Okay. But I know what happens. I read the description and everything, so yeah, I you, got the gist. You know enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, and I did watch it, I think... Decades ago. Oh, yeah. So. I had never seen it before. <laughs> Just barely no. hanging on their shoulders. And, oh, hey, <laughs> uh, getting, hold on. Let me pause. They were getting to it. Let me pause for just a second. Gonna, <laughs> my daughter's calling. Sherry! Gracie's calling me. I think she's wanting to tell me that the movie's over. Can you call her, please? My daughter had a um, movie date tonight, and I told her to call me when the movie was over. I think that's what she's doing. So, okay, so yeah, the uh, and hold on just a second, guys. Hello. I don't know. It's probably dead, but I'm doing a show right now. What? Okay. 
Where are you at? Guys, hold on just a second. My daughter's lost. Where at on 280, Gracie? Which way are you facing? All right. So so you drive back down. You know where 119 is? You drive towards Chick-fil-A. You're going, you're going the wrong way, baby. If Chick-fil-A, you need to drive so that Chick-fil-A is on your left as you're going and go to that red light between Chick-fil-A and uh, that furniture store right there. Chick-fil-A will be on your left. You need to take a left and that's 119 and that'll bring you all the way home. Which side of the road is Home Depot on? You need to go the other way. Okay, you just call me when you when you uh when you find one nineteen. Send me a text message because I'm I'm like I'm recording a show right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. All right. Bye. Sorry. <laughs> She's lost. <laughs> okay. What was I saying? All right. Um. Okay. That's it. I'm gonna have to go quickly because I'm supposed to be interviewing somebody for the prime direction in about 15 minutes. Oh, I thought you were say you gotta go rescue your daughter. No, <laughs> she's fine. She just is. John, you're from you, you're from Birmingham, so you know we live in Leeds. So yeah. you go uh, straight down 119 to go to Highway 280. Well, her yes, her and her date went to the movie theater over on 280. Uh, when she right. got there, she turned the wrong way on 280. And I have, um, an app, I have an app on my phone where I can track her. I watched her turn the wrong way and I called her and I said, you're going, <laughs> you're going the wrong way. And, uh, and, and, and so she found the movie theater and then her curfew is in 20 minutes and she just calls me and says, I can't figure out how to get home. <laughs> you know? So, uh, well, the was, GPS, how's her phone not have a GPS? It does. She just didn't do it. <laughs> All right, she's you know she's a teenager. There you yeah, go. so looking forward to that. That'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, I'll talk to you guys All later. Right. All right. Good night. Good night. Yep.